Today we're doing things just a little different. You can already um, tell that. We've shortened our worship time. And I'll go ahead and tell you that at the end of the service, we're going to be coming back and, and doing some, um, some additional worship. But um, as it was uh, mentioned, God, God really laid on my heart a few weeks ago that this was a, to be a special service. Um, as I've prayed and, and fasted this week and just have had confirmation of it, um, I believe today God is going to change some people's lives specifically, specifically in the area of fear. And, um, and we're going we're to talk about this very in, intentionally. We're continuing our, our series here, Anything But Average. And, and I think as we've been going through this series of anything but average, we realize that average isn't an option, okay? Nobody wants to be average, right? Nobody wants to have an average job or to be, uh, have an average family or have, we want anything but average. We want exceptional. We want God's best. And, and, and very, very and specifically, very specifically, I can tell you that one of the things that will try to keep us from being our best is this issue of fear. It's, uh, it's something that every single person deals with. And we're going to look at it from a, different, from a couple of different uh, perspectives today. We're going to um, not just look at it, but we're going to overcome fear today. I said we're going to overcome fear today. Amen. Amen. Fear tries to make cowards of us all. And God hasn't called us to be cowards. He's called us to be conquerors. He's called us to be victorious. And, and I just want to tell you that it's interesting how, um, how things work. I, I talked with RJ and Jennifer earlier this week about, look, I, I want to, and, and very seldom, I mean, I'm not sure how many times I've ever done that, just said, this is something I want us to focus on. But um, RJ, I said, I want us to focus on fear, and we're going to sing some songs about overcoming fear. And um, RJ texted me back a and he said, it's amazing how quickly you can become afraid about singing songs about overcoming fear. <laughs> so, that's, uh, and that's how I felt about ministry. You know, just uh, Chris had uh, texted me this morning and said, I just sense God's up to something. Listen, I'm telling you, God is up to something. And it's something good. It's something, tell, tell the person sitting beside you, God is up to something good. And it's good for you this morning. It's good for you. Come on. I'm serious. God has got a good plan. He's got a good purpose for our lives. He wants to do some, some good and some great things. So, um, um, again, I want to say, uh, when I start talking about fear, there's, let me say this. There's two things. One is I very specifically know, not just for one person, but for a couple of people, for a few people here this morning, that this issue um, is not just a general feel, fear, but there are some very deep-seated fears in your life. There, there are some things that, have, have, um, that you've run into constantly. And, um, and I'm just telling you, I've got good news for you today. The bad news is you've had to deal with it. The good news is today you get set free from it. Amen? Amen. Okay, the second thing I want to say is, is that there's a temptation... I think because we've talked about fear, this isn't the first time we've ever uh, talked or preached or prayed about fear in this body. There's a temptation, I think, for some of us to go, ah, I've dealt with that. As a matter of fact, this week I, was, uh, I met with somebody and um, I was talking to him and I was mentioning uh, that, oh, this week I'm so excited. God's really got a plan. God's doing some things. And, and this person said to me, they go, um, they said, um, I said, I'm going to be, you know, we're going to be talking about and praying. We're going to see people delivered from fear this week. And they go, well, you know what? I really haven't had to deal with that. 
Well, I almost fell down on the floor because anybody, if, if I was to tell you who this person was, any of you that knew them, would know that this person's life has literally been marked by moving from one thing to another that they're either fearful about or worried about. It reminded me of that scripture where the, uh, Jesus says to the, to the Jewish people, he goes, or, or I mean Paul says to the Jewish people, you need to be free. And all of a sudden they stand up and they go, what do you mean we need to be free? We have always been free. We've never been anybody's slaves. We're the children of Abraham. And, and at the very minute when they're saying that, the Romans are oppressing them. They're being slaves to the Roman people. Listen, I, I want us to be aware that we can be blind to the very things that are impacting our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. The problem with blind spots is what? We don't see them, right? We don't see them. Well, today, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to open our eyes to be able to receive, to be able to, one, for Him to show us anything that's going on in our life, and then two, for us to be able to receive victory over it in Jesus' name. How's that sound to anybody? Ready to do that? Come on, let's pray. Let's do that, right? Father, we thank you right now, God, that your plans and purposes for us are life and freedom. I thank you that today, God, that we are not under, but we are overcomers in the name of Jesus. And Father, I take authority, we take authority as your children, as your sons and daughters. And we say this very minute, we give no place to the enemy. God, we refuse to allow any voice to have influence in our life except your voice. And so right now, God, right now we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to quicken our hearts and our minds. We welcome you. We welcome you, oh God, just to come and to inform our lives by your word and by your spirit. And for doing that today, we say thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 All right, well, fear is something that we all deal with, okay? There's nobody that's exempt from that. As a matter of fact, we could say, we, we look back in the Scripture, we would be reminded the very first emotion that was expressed after the fall, after man sinned in the garden, was fear. God comes walking, he speaks to Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, well, God, I was afraid. I was afraid, I hid. It, it started in the beginning, it started in the beginning of the fall, and it continues to work for our lives. Fear is the number one tactic of the enemy, I believe, against believers. It's his number one plan. And it takes on so many different forms. He wants to come in and bring torment, the Bible says, into our lives by fear. He rules by fear because that's who he is. He is fearful. He's afraid. He knows what his destiny is. Amen? He's afraid. So aren't you glad that our God doesn't rule by fear? I, I don't know about you. If you ever, I had a boss one time that, man, he was always coming in and slamming things and yelling, smoked a cigar and blew smoke in your face and all that kind of stuff. I, I, man, I don't, aren't you glad that our God, the scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 3, it says that he rules with peace. I, I heard someone say this recently, that that word peace, that word rule there, really means to be the umpire of our lives. That God umpires our life, that he, he gives direction of our life. The, the sweet spot of our life is dictated by the peace of God in our lives. I, I don't know about you, but one of the things that Yvette and I have, through our life, has just asked the Holy Spirit to, uh, to do is to, is to lead us by peace. When you're making a decision, let me tell you, if there's not peace in that decision, then you will need to stay away from it. Peace will lead us, and peace will guide us. And 
Well, there's un literally an unlimited amount of areas that we could talk about, but today I want us to focus on two areas very specifically. Now, one area, I know this is going to promote fear in your heart just by mentioning the word, just by mentioning the word, just by saying it, it's going to make you shake and quiver, that they're going to talk about money in church, okay? Money and sex. It's amazing what it does. Can you say those words in church? But uh, Hey, listen, I'm telling you, God has got a great plan for um, your finances. But you know what? The enemy really does try to, to get us unnerved when we see the stock market or we see the things that are going on or we have a job change, okay? We have a situation where, where we're stepping in where we have some kind of a, uh, of a situation change in our lives and it impacts our finances. But can I tell you, God God is over all of the money. Amen? All money really belongs to God. As a matter of fact, it is God who supplies every need for us. Philippians 4.19 puts it like this. It says, And my God, everybody say, My God, shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And one way I want to address this this morning is I want to invite Sheila. Uh, Sheila Gonzalez, come on up here and grab that microphone on your way up here. Come on, everybody welcome Sheila this morning. All right. Come on up here. Step into the light, sister. So uh, I'm hey, super official. <laughs> first of all, I just want you to know we love Sheila. If, if you don't know it, Sheila is the administrative assistant here at the church, and she's the glue that holds it together. Amen. And so we love her. And I just asked her. She's got an amazing brief testimony, brief testimony. Uh, uh, okay, of just some incredible ways that God has um, has brought provision into her life. And listen, we know this: God's not a respecter of persons. What He's done for one. He'll do for others. Amen? Okay, so briefly, and if you want more details, I can, right. I, I'm happy to share them after service. But this was back in the very last few days of June. I didn't get paid until July 1st, and I had actually to borrow $5 for gas just to get me to payday. So July 1st comes, I make out a list of my ties and then all my bills, and um, of course my deposits. I was going to be negative $350, and that was with no gas and no groceries. And so immediately I have that voice, well, if I don't pay my tithes, that'll free up, you know, such and such. And I was like, Lord, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> so I paid my tithes. I actually made out checks for every bill that I had, and I mailed them all out. And I was like, good luck, Lord, because, I mean, I don't know how you're going to work this out. But I had trust, and I had it's worth mentioning I had just had a freedom appointment where I had been believing that the Lord was just enough versus more than enough. And so I was like, this is your opportunity to show me. Um, but I did, and it was just by faith I sent it all out. So my goal was to get $500. I was like, if I can just get $500, I won't be in the hole. I can get us, you know, a little bit to eat, whatever. And so, but that was my just enough thinking. So the following Monday, um, through a series of things, I had sold some stuff, $300. Tuesday, an additional $300. Wednesday, I got a check in the mail for $500. <laughs> that day, I gave um, some money to Hannah Bauer for her trip, went home, I had an additional $150 cash there waiting for me, <laughs> and some gift cards. Um, I had my car, because now I had money, so I took it in to get some repairs done real quick. And I actually had to fight with somebody at Pelche against paying my bill for me. He insisted on paying the car off. And I was just like, I mean, seriously, no, I got this. Um, 
In one week, that was $1,500. The following Monday, I got an additional check for $1,000. Um, anyways, it ended up being, in July alone, $3,000 that came in <laughs> completely unexpectedly. And God will use anybody. He will use anything. Um, some of the people he used that sent me money are my ex-in-laws who did not like me when I was married to their son. <laughs> just saying. So for August, um, just in August, I ended up receiving another $1,000 check, $500 in cash, $500 in gift cards to restaurants, Walmart, whatever. That was $6,000 now, by the way. Um, and then I had September. $1,200 check come in unexpectedly, another $200, no, another $525 in gift cards. That equaled $1,800 in this month alone. And this doesn't include, because it was my birthday last Wednesday, I've already been given $300 cash. <laughs> so, God is good, and you just gotta, you just really have to have faith that he is more than enough. And it's really neat to see how he's going to provide for sure. Oh, and... This is just fun. I got an email that our car insurance went down $150 per month. Woo! Yeah. Well, hold on to that just for a second. So at the end of the service, if you would just like Sheila to just touch you and you'd like to get that annoying, we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. All right. <laughs> Amen. But is, aren't you glad? Has anybody ever dealt with that? Well, man, I, you know, just enough. God's just going to get me through. I'm just always going to struggle. Just, just never going to have enough. You know what? That's not what God says. Amen. The Bible says that God can give to us in such a way that it is pressed down, shaken together, and it runs over. His provision runs over in our life. Amen? And I know the enemy just tries to come and tries to intimidate us and tries to get us to operate in fear and, and to, to, to be afraid to tithe or to be afraid to give or to be afraid to be generous because if, if I do, then I won't have enough. Aren't you glad that our supply of what we have isn't based on who we are, but it's based on who He is? Amen. 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 So I'm going to stretch uh, see Sheila here just a little bit. You ready? You're going to take a big step of faith, okay? You ready? Yes. How about praying for everybody here that they would receive that same revelation of blessing, same place of freedom. Are you ready to receive it? Yes. Come on. Go ahead. Father, we thank you that you are more than enough. Yes. God, we thank you that you're more than enough, even if we aren't there yet in our own faith to believe it. Yes. We thank you that you're true to your word, Lord, and that you're our provider in every way. And God, mm -hmm. we thank you that when we tithe, you do give back to us. But I thank you more than that. It doesn't always come back financially, Lord. Mm. We thank you for health. We thank you for yes. protection, Father. Yes. We thank you for friendships and relationships in our life, Lord God. We just thank you for the blessings that just come when we take a step in obedience, Father. And more than that, we thank you that all of this really truly is for our good, Lord. It's not just for the church, Lord. It's just so that we can just open that avenue straight to you, Lord, to let you pour into our lives so that we can go out and be a blessing to others, Father. And so I just pray that same blessing, Lord, and that same faith on each person here, God, that they will trust you and that yes. they will take this step of faith, Lord. And that they will just truly step out in obedience, Lord, and do what is right, God, so that they can just receive from you in all the ways that you have laid before that you want to. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord and Sheila a big hand. Love you. Thank you.
isn't that great? How many people like to see people blessed? Amen. I like to see people blessed. How many people want to be one of those people that's blessed? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before jumping into this second area we're going to talk about today, real quickly, I just want to remind us about a couple of things about fear. Okay. Now, first of all, there are some fears, some rational fears that are good fe- that are good fears. We understand that, right? We we understand that that the uh, you know playing with fire that that's uh, something that's that's a a, a good uh, a good fear, something to be afraid of. Uh, spending more than you make that's something we want to we want to watch over. Not okay. We want to be a free a fear a, we want to have a a good fear about that, a rational fear of that. And trying violating the law of gravity, right? Without a parachute. Uh, we we want to be sure that uh, we um, we honor that as a as a good fear. I heard somebody say one time, "We're not really afraid of heights; we're afraid of the splat at the end." Right? So that's right. Um, so uh, sometimes. Sometimes these fears, if we, if we think about it, we can go back and we can find out the basis of our fears. For example, one of my fears, and, and some people um, know this, is it happens to be snakes. And, uh, and Yvette laughs because yeah, I, sometimes my reactions towards snakes is a little bit... Is, is a little bit over the top and, and, and yes we did have an eight inch snake on our porch and it, and I yeah had a big shovel and broke out in a sweat and all that kind of stuff so but um, again it's not I'm not afraid of snakes that's just I'm afraid of the, that I don't know you know the ones that are poisonous since dying because of snake bite right you know I mean that's uh, but I can remember I literally can go back and remember where that started I can remember being at my grandmother's house and my cousins and I were playing one day and we were running through the house which we shouldn't have been and, and I was running through the house and my cousin was chasing me and so I ran out the porch door and I turned around and slammed the porch, the screen door, slammed this porch door and was trying to slam it in, in their face and when I slammed it, there was a snake and I put my hand right on the snake. So, so it's a rational fear, right? There you go, right? So, there, you know, I believe that, uh, anyhow, uh, the, every, the only good snake, right, is a... Is a Snake in a in a in a glass thing, right? So, so there are there's some fears, but um, the play, like I said, there's there's other fears that are very rational. Your wife having the credit card during the shopping season, <laughs> uh, Christmas shopping season, you know that's a rational fear. Those are things. Those are things that we really really want to um, to be aware of. But then but then there's those irrational fears, the fears that are, are often paralyzing and. Uh, that, that, that keep us bound. You know, the thing, the thing about rational fears is that usually, usually they just involve an event, something that happens. Uh, they, they don't continue forever. It's not a state that we live in. Um, a rational fear that it's, um, it's generally will, will um, cause us to, to do something. It'll produce something productive in us. It'll make us take an action where we'll put a fire out or we'll keep a child from stepping into traffic. We'll do something something that's productive. That's not how irrational fears, fears work. They paralyze us. They, um, they keep us in a state of confusion, of weakness. They, they move us into a place of negativity. Now again, don't raise your hand if this is you and certainly don't elbow the poor person next to you if, if this is them. But has anybody ever met somebody who, who just always lives in a place of negativity? Has anybody ever met a person like this? I call them that they've got the Eeyore spirit, you know, the, that, that things are bad, but things are going to get worse, and oh my, and, 
And, and that's what fear wants to do. It wants to keep us in a negative place. And the reason that it's something that goes on is because it's not just about an event. Fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit, and fear wants to come. Uh, I was thinking about this. I didn't put it in my notes, but the other night I was praying, and, and I saw this picture of Jesus knocking on the door. You know, in Revelation 3 where it talks about it, it says, that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man opens the door, then I, if you'll open the door, he'll come in and be with us. And then all of a sudden I saw all these other doors and all these other hands knocking on the door. How many people know that, that there's things that are trying to get into our life? That, that there are things that try to get in and to, and to direct our life and control our life and influence our life. And one of the things that's always knocking at the door is this spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 puts it like this. It says, For God gave us, not a, gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Some translations say it like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound-mindedness. A sound-mindedness. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. You see, fear is against love. It's anti-love. It's anti-power. It's anti-sound-minded. It wants to keep us bound. It wants to limit us. Jimmy Evans puts it like this. He says, fear is a prophet spirit from the Lord. I'm sorry, fear is a prophet spirit from the pit of hell to give us a negative view of the future, to get us to make fear-based decisions that will not honor God. Fear is always trying to speak into your life. It's always trying to tell you the bad things that are going to happen and get us to make a decision, get us to do something that's going to line us up with bad coming into our life, with hurt coming into our life, with pain coming into our life. And that voice just is continually trying to speak into our lives. But we don't live by fear. We live by faith. Amen? And faith is from the Spirit of God. Faith gives us a positive view of the future so that we won't make fear-based uh, decisions, but we'll make decisions that will honor God at every place in our life. How many people want to live that kind of a life this morning? A faith-based life. And I know that's how God wants us to live. I know that that's why the enemy attacks so strongly. And one of the areas that he attacks in, one of the areas that he attacks each and every one of us in, is the area of insight insecurity. The area of insecurity. Insecurity really means a lack of confidence, feelings of anxiety or uncertainness about myself. Uh, everybody deals with, feel, with insecurity at times. Everybody deals with insecurity in different ways. Some people deal with insecurity by becoming very shy. They shrink back into the, into the shadows. They hide along the walls. Has anybody ever heard the expression, somebody is a wallflower? They're, they're just kind of hidden in the walls. And then, then there's others. There's others who use a defense mechanism where they, they've always kind of puff up their chest, the chest. They're always kind of out there in the front. They're always kind of, man, nothing bothers me and I don't care about anything, anybody. And, and they've got this defense mechanism that's hiding what's really going on, this internal fear of, of secure, this internal fear that's called insecurity. Listen, we're, we're going to live, we're either going to live insecure lives or we're going to live lives in Jesus Christ. That, those, those are our only two options. It's, it's, that's the only options that we have. So insecurity will rule our lives, it will influence our lives, or we'll live our lives submitted to the Lordship 
of Jesus Christ. Some people think that where we find security is they think we find it in money. Okay, if you've got enough money, then you can be happy. You can be secure. You won't have to worry about anything. How many people know that that's just not realistic? How many people know that, that you can't have enough money to be secure? Right? Uh, I mean, think about the money that governments have, but yet the fear that goes on. Think about how much money would it take for you to, to be able to, have, to, be cons uh, to not have to fear anything? Well, how much money will it take to be able to heal your body? It's not always about money, is it? Or to lengthen your life or to, to bring a good relationship into a marriage or a relationship between, between children and parents. Money doesn't do that. But people put their trust in money. Some people, some people think, well, if, if I have the right appearance, okay, if I, if I dress just right, if I... If I look just right, if I, if I'm, you know, if I, if my hair's just right, if I'm, if I, if I'm youthful and if I'm vibrant and all this, thing, then appearance, appearance uh, will make me secure. And listen, I'm telling you, it's hard for us to deal with this type of, that was a joke there, folks, okay? <laughs> That's not, that some of us deal with those type of things on a daily basis. Some of us don't really give a rip about appearance, right? But how many people know, and, and I thought this was an interesting statistic while I was researching, do you know that the highest percentage of people who say that they deal with insecurity, do you know where it's found? It's found among models. Isn't that interesting? People that their whole life is based around their appearance, and yet we find out that they're always in some place of competition, or they're always looking for something that needs to be corrected. And can I tell you, there's a voice that's speaking to them that says, you'll never be good enough. There'll always be somebody better. There's something that's underlying them. So if, if, appear, I mean, if, if security doesn't come from uh, our appearance, it doesn't come from money, it doesn't come from the outside. Where does security come from? Are you there in Psalm 91, okay? Psalm 91 says it like this. It says, He who dwells in the secret place. Can I tell you, the only place, the only place we will find security is in the presence of the Lord. The only place that there will be an abiding security Okay? Is by being in the presence of the Lord. When we're in the presence of the Lord, then it doesn't matter what the doctor's report is. It doesn't matter about the job situation. It doesn't matter about what things look like in our marriage or look like in our family. When we're in the presence of the Lord, the love of God fills us and faith works in our lives. And we know that there's a security that says, If God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? God is on our side there. It goes on and it says that um, that secret place, we dwell in the secret place. Let me tell you, if you want to have insecurity rooted out of your life, no longer have rule and influence of your life, you've got to get into the secret place. Matthew in the New Testament puts it like this. It says that when you enter into your closet to pray, it says in that place, in that secret place, do you know where the first step into the secret place into dwelling with God is? It's in an intimate relationship with Him. It's being one who shares time with the Lord and spends time with the Lord. And, and, and you know His voice when He speaks to you, but He knows your voice when you speak to Him. 
I'm telling you, we as the people of God, if we're ever going to step beyond, okay, step beyond where we're at today, step into a new place of faith and victory, we're going to be people who first and foremost are founded, have our lives founded in a place of prayer. Goes on, says that um, down in verse 14 or in, of that same chapter, and you can just read that whole chapter. We don't have time to go into it today, but, but Psalm 91 is a great chapter about, about just uh, overcoming fear. But I love this. It says in verse 14, it says, I will deliver him. How many people today say, I'm ready for deliverance from any type of fear that plagues my life? You know what? I'm telling you that it comes from the presence of the Lord, from being with Him and getting into His presence. And that's, that's where we're going to go in just a few minutes. Listen, the security is not found in a position. It's not found by achieving some type of a goal or some type of fame or status. Some of the most, uh, some of the most um, insecure people in the world a, a number of years ago... I had the opportunity to um, to counsel with a um, a man who had actually been on a, a played in four Super Bowls was a starting uh, football player and he played in four Super Bowls but when his career was done all of a sudden he was he lost his identity he didn't know who he was and he was struggling and he was he he didn't figure and he wasn't he wasn't measuring up as a husband he wasn't measuring up as a father he he was struggling in business endeavors and these insecurities were literally eating away at him. His identity had been in a position. His identity had been what people had seen from the outside. I'm telling you, we have a beautiful, not a beautiful, we have a horrible picture of this in the scripture. Here's a man who became the king of Israel, but in his life, matter of fact, he was the first king of Israel, King Saul. In his life, we can see that there was a pattern of insecurity that ruled him. So let me, just, let me just point out a few of the things that were in the life of Saul. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us and see if any of these things are in our lives that might point to, the, to us dealing with insecurity. Okay, you ready? Number one. Here's a sign. Here's something that, that, Saul, um, that Saul dealt with. First of all, number one, an unteachable, uh, an unteachable and an unapproachable personality or spirit. Okay? He was unteachable. Uh, let me tell you, if you're in a position in life where somebody can't speak into your life, you can't receive, you can't be taught, you know everything, you got a problem. Okay? I, I, I'm just, I don't know any other way to say it. To be unteachable or unapproachable, to always kind of keep everybody at arm's length. Anybody ever heard the expression, it's hard to hug a porcupine? Right? You, have you ever met somebody like that? They always kind of just keep you at arm's length. And, and, and what they're doing, sometimes they're just saying, I don't want you to, to get too close to me because if you really knew what was inside of me, then you would see. You'd see my weaknesses. You'd see how scared I am. You'd see the fears in my life. So, so just ask the Lord, do I have a teachable spirit? Am I, do I look to be taught? Am I, am I learning? Am I willing to, to glean from others? Can my parents teach me? Can my children teach me? Can I, am I submitted? When it comes to spiritual authority in my life, do I have a teachable spirit? A second thing that, that's a clear manifestation of insecurity, okay? And, and I hate to admit this, but man, there was a season in my life where somebody could have just put a, painted a sign on my forehead and said, this is who I was. And it's being jealous and envious. 
jealous and envious. Remember the story about David? Uh, Saul and David, you know, Saul's the king. He's got his military arm, his whole forces there. And then David comes along. David kills Goliath. David leads the children of Israel into, into victory over the Philistines. And people began to sing a song. And they said, Saul has slain his thousands. But all of a sudden, what? David has slain his tens of thousands and jealousy rose up in Saul. That comparative and that competitive spirit that says, he's better than I am. I want the people's affections. I'm telling you, in Yvette and I's marriage, at different seasons, at different times, especially early in our... Um, Early in our marriage, early in our dating relationship, when we were dating, man, I was the most insecure person. Oh, gosh, here she was. She was kind of the, the everybody knew Yvette, and she was in the parade of favorites, and she was in the, the homecoming, all that. And then, and, and I'd, I mean, I'd literally had be standing behind her, and people would come up and go, Hi, Yvette, how are you? How's life? And stuff. And never even acknowledge that I was there. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm getting over it, all right? I mean, it's a... <laughs> I'm, I'm 143 more counseling appointments and I should have this one licked, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, but just this insecurity of not feeling like you measure up and, and insecurity about somebody else being better or somebody else having more. Somebody else. I'm just telling you, do we have insecurity? Are those insecurities in our lives? Is there something jealous in our lives? Are we, are we jealous of the attention? Are we jealous of the position? Are we jealous? What is it in our life? Are we envious? Do we envy what other people have? I got to go on. Um, number three, blame transfer. Okay? We're always transferring the blame. We're never taking responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the, it's the people's fault. It's the boss's fault. It's, the, it's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my husband's fault. We're blaming, 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 blaming. If, the, if, that's, if that's part of who we are, I'm just saying today that insecurity, the voice of fear through insecurity is having an influence in your life and it's time for it to stop in Jesus' name. Amen? Number five. Think about this. Saul, look if you know the story, uh, anger and emotional instability. The scripture says this. It says that there were times when a spirit would come and it would vex. Okay, I didn't know what the word vexed meant until we moved to the Bahamas. Everybody, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm just vexed. I was like, vexed? What is that? I mean, is that, stay away from me. What do you take a pill or something? You know, what's a, but they were upset. They were disturbed. They were, they would get angry. Listen, I'm telling you, I lived growing up, I lived thinking that anger and explosive and volatile anger was a sign of strength. Can I tell you that anger and volatility and anger, and if you think that you're showing how much of a man or a woman you are by being able to cuss and to be able to, to just express this anger, it's not a sign of strength, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're being controlled by fear and by insecurity. And God's got a better plan for your life. Amen? Amen. The scripture said that, that Saul would, would take his sword and, or his spear and he would try to kill David because of the anger in his heart. I'm telling you, anger and instability, insecurity will make you do things that only crazy people do. Amen? Everybody receiving this word of encouragement today? So, <laughs> everybody feeling good? All right. All right, number six. Number six. Unbelief and spiritual compromise. Unbelief. I don't believe God. I, I believe God is great and God can do all kinds of, but he can't do it for me. God, God won't do it for me. And then begin to spiritually compromise. Let me, let me lovingly say this. 
If there's a pattern of lying in your life or embellishing stories in your life, of making things seem better or making things seem worse so that you can get more attention or something that will paint you in a better light, the, the spirit of fear through insecurity is operating in your life. Okay? I mean that. We'll, we'll compromise. We'll compromise. How many people, and let me, let me, let me say this, young people, okay, teen, all of us, compromising who we are, compromising our sexuality, compromising our values, okay? Compromising. We're compromising so we can get from someone what really we can only get from God. Right. Amen? And that's being secure. That's being the people that God has created to be. Number seven, and this is really where we were trying to get to. Number seven, okay, and, and this is, just write this down in bold letters, the fear of man. The fear of man. I'm going to just run a couple things really quickly. The fear of man, and worship team, go ahead and come on. The fear of man is an anxious awareness of what people think about me that causes me to change my behavior and compromise my beliefs in order to gain favor and to avoid disfavor. Compromise, fear of man, fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, the fear of man lays a snare. It's a hidden trap. It's, it's something. When we, when we fear man... Listen, when we put our trust in men, when we put our trust in people, we're laying a trap, we're digging a hole, and the scripture says that as we lay that trap, then we will fall into the very trap that we've laid. It's a snare. It's something that will just bring destruction to our life. Hear me, folks, okay? Hear me. The fear of man. I see it, and again, it's one of those things where the more and more and more, I see how that in my life, I operated that way so many times and so much of my life. And it manifests mainly in two main ways. One is being a people pleaser. Being a people pleaser. I mean, it really does. I told somebody the story the other day. <clears throat> when I was um, about 12 years old, um, I was playing baseball. I was, baseball was kind of my, I always wanted to be a basketball player, but... I couldn't jump, and um, so I was playing baseball, <coughs> and, uh, and, I, and I had always been a catcher, but then um, I, I got mad. I had a bad anger problem, and growing up, I'd learned that from my dad, you know, always, always barking and, you know, that type of thing, and so I'd get mad, and I'd turn around, and I'd throw the ball as hard as I could back to the, the pitcher, and so the coach came out, and he said, Sam, I want to try something. He says, you're throwing the ball harder back to the pitcher than the pitcher is to you, and we, may, we, need to, we might want to change this, all right? So... Um, and again, this is years and years ago. And um, so he put me in as a pitcher. Now, I tell this story, and my kids didn't believe it, but I've actually got the scrapbook, you know. And so, so I had a very, very good year. And in the, in the next year, um, uh, the starting day, opening day of, of Little League Baseball in Seaford, Delaware, I mean, it's, it's, you probably all still remember it, I'm sure. It's, um, <laughs> so it, was, it was really, it was a huge event. So, uh, <laughs> so for those thousand people in there. <laughs> Opening day of Little League, uh, opening day of Little League, you know, um, I pitched a no-hitter, won the game, and, and, you know, front page of the uh, sports section, the whole paper is like eight pages, so the, the uh, one of the front page of the insert, it was, Sammy Fisher, you know, picks up where he left off, and, and all of a sudden, so I'm, I'm having this great success. And all of a sudden, I could feel I, I was, had to make everybody happy. During that season, I got uh, chicken pox. And my coach, wonderful, and, and, and this is a complete aside here. Parents, let me tell you, don't live vicariously through your kids. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
Conduct yourselves as Christians when you're coaching and when you're cheering. I remember when Taylor was playing soccer as a four or five year old kid, there was a dad that was banned, not, not, not removed, banned from coming to the game. That doesn't bring Jesus glory and honor, okay? But I can remember getting sick and, and that coach jumped in my face and screamed and yelled and, and told me, he said, if you don't get out there and pitch, you just turn your uniform in. And, and, and so much pressure that I can remember as a 12-year-old, as a my mom having to take me to the doctor and getting me a little bottle of nerve medicine because I would shake so much. Listen, I'm telling you, insecurity tries to have its way in everybody's life. And sometimes it manifests through being a people pleaser. Other times, it's been being a control freak, okay? Now, I, I would ask you to, control your, to raise your hands, but I know control freaks say, hey, I'm not going to let you control me. I'll do what I want, right? So, um, <clears throat> so sometimes we say, you know, we, we kind of wash this away and say, oh, it's, it's nothing big. It's just who I am. It's my personality. Let me tell you, it's not a personality. That's not how God created you. It's a demonic spirit that's trying to bring you to a place of destruction in your life. And we say no to it today in the name of Jesus. Remember, fear is a spirit. It's a false prophet spirit. It's trying to tell you what men will do. It's the most common fear in the Bible. And over and over and over again in Scripture it says, Do not fear men. Do not care what men, says, what men say about you. Don't care what they're saying. Don't care what they're thinking. Because what you give influence in your life, it won't just influence your life. It will control your life. And what controls your life will make an impact on people around you. It'll make an impact on your husband, and on your wife, and on your children, and your children's children. And we're not going to let it have an impact in our life. Amen. We're not going to be snared. We're not going to be snared. We're not going to be bound to it. Has anybody ever, anybody ever remember going to a picnic and playing a, th anybody ever been in a three-legged race? How many people just really think that maybe that's one of the tortures that they come up with? You know, it's go in hell, it's going to be like an eternal three-leg race. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean... I, 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 it's like, how much fun is that, right? So I, you're either the one trying to pick somebody or the one getting picked up and drug along, right? I mean, man, you just can't be at your best when you're snared, when you're tied, when your life is encumbered with somebody else and God wants his best. So how do we, how do we um, overcome insecurity? Number one, we turn to God with trust. We turn to God with, and listen, this takes courage. It takes courage to say, God, I'm going to put all my trust in you and not in myself or not anybody else. Jeremiah 17 verse 5 says this. It says, cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. You put your trust in man. You let somebody else make you feel good about you. You let somebody else define who you are. You let a husband, you let a spouse, you let a pastor, you let an employer, you let a friend, you let somebody else define who you are. You're opening the door up and say, come on fear, have your way in my life. And its plan will be to bring you to destruction. It will bind you, it will control you. And the first step we need to do is to say, I'm going to take a step of trust God more than anything else. I'm putting my trust in you. Amen? I'm going to trust you. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to confess our weakness. We're going to say, God, in and of myself, I can't do it. We're going to humble ourselves and we're going to say, God, I need you. I am weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. Come on, say it with me. I am weak. What did you learn at church today? I am weak. I am weak. <laughs> Listen, but in our weakness, God 
will make us strong. God will be our strength. And God will cause us to be victorious. Amen? Amen. I heard it this week uh, with staff. We were at a, a conference this week. I loved it. It says, we've got to remember, we're sheep. Okay? Sheep are weak. We've never heard of a pack sheep. Right? <laughs> I love that. Sheep don't carry loads. Sheep don't care. They're not strong. Hey, we're not strong. Only He is strong. And He is strong in us. Amen? You're not strong enough to bear it up. You're not strong enough to have a stiff upper lip. You're not strong enough to man up, cowboy up, or anything else up. The only thing we can do is look up. Say, God, I put my trust in you. I humble myself. And God, I come. And I come and I receive everything I need, I need from you. I come and I receive it based on not who I am and not what I deserve, but because of who you are, because of your goodness and because of your grace. Amen? Let me try and read a scripture here to you this morning in Psalm chapter 27. Come on, worship team. I know we're taking a few extra minutes, but listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come into the presence of the Lord this morning. We're going to give you the opportunity to come to the presence of the Lord. To make your declaration that says, I will not be bound by fear. I will not live in fear. I will not surrender to fear. I will overcome fear in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't be in a hurry, folks. It's going to be worth getting in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. The host encamp against me. My heart will not fear. Do you remember in the New Testament where the scripture says if a demon spirit is cast out of a person, that it leaves that person, but then what happens? It says it comes back to see if the door is still open. And if the door is open, it goes and gets other spirits even worse than itself and comes and takes up residence. Listen, the enemy doesn't want to keep you how you are. He wants you to be more and more and more bound until you die. That's not God's plan for your life. God's plan is deliverance. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will conceal me. Listen, I'm telling you, God is your hope. He will conceal you. He will draw you close. He will protect you. He will empower you to overcome come and to expel every fear in your life. He who will conceal me in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me and I will offer in his tent the sacrifices with shouts of joy. Yes, I will sing. I will sing praises to God. I'm telling you, that's what we're going to do right now. Okay, everybody, come on, stand up with me this morning. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Listen, I want, I'm telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, I'm telling you, you can be free today. You can be free. Hey, look, I can't make you free. I'll pray with you. There will be others that will be up here to pray with you. But you can enter. You can connect with the Spirit of God this morning. And you can be free from every insecurity, every fear of man, everything that's tried to bind you, that's tried to hold you down, keep you down. God's ready to set you free and lift you up today. Amen. You ready?
Come on, let's make this our declarations. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we repent for putting our trust in ourselves or in another man. Come on, tell me. God, I repent for putting my trust in myself or any other man. God, we repent for yielding ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, in any way, to anything, to get anything, God, that will make us feel better, that will make us feel better about ourselves. We repent of it. And even now, God, we say this. God, we rebuke, God, the works of the enemy in our lives. We give the devil no place in our life today, oh God. We take authority in the name of Jesus and we say that every manifestation of fear must go in the name of Jesus. And God, we receive right now, we receive your freedom, your liberty, your presence. Come on. God, we receive your presence to set us free, to cause us to be the people that you desire us to be, to live the lives you've created us to live. God, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your love, God. Your love casts out all fear, God. No torment in our lives. And so, God, we thank you for that today. And we choose, God, we choose to shout and to sing joyful praises to God who deliver us, delivers us today in Jesus' name.